Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of One Royal Way. Jordan Foote here, joined by my good pals Joel Penfield, Josh Kaiser, brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, the premier most qualified baseball development resource out there. We can't thank them enough for sponsoring today's show. We'll start with Josh. How's it going, man? Uh, fantastic. Uh, I got I came down from my natural high of uh, the Royals making all the moves. Um, so now I'm just kind of bored with it. So um, it kind of feels like this is what's going to be for the rest of the offseason, mm-hmm. potentially. So I, if we've got our if we've got our haul. Then, uh, then I'm into it. But Joel, how are you, man? You know, I'm hanging in there. Wife and I have a new daughter at home, about a week old now. So I am running on a lot of caffeine, very little sleep, but uh, wouldn't trade it for the world, man. Heck yeah, I don't have anything um, fun going on really. I, I take that back. I'm going to Oklahoma City over the weekend. I'm going to see LeBron versus Chet. Please, both of them stay healthy. Chet, I'm worried because he's a twig. LeBron, I'm worried because he's, you know, old. Um, but hopefully that <laughs> goes well. Um, yeah, she'll drop color. 35 and it'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a fun time. First time down there. Um, it'll be awesome. You guys had an awesome time on Friday, it was, right? Friday yeah. afternoon. Yep. Um, put yep. together a really good show, recapped. The roles were making moves. And we were like, we have to get something out. We have to get this going. I don't have too much beyond what you guys covered it was like a a nice long show i think they're making moves that have clear either this guy has playoff experience this guy has major league experience they're going with obviously with mlb free agency it's a little bit different because those guys naturally hit free agency when they're older just because of how the the contract structure is kind of lined up but um they got a little bit older they got wiser I think, and I think it was Lesky that brought it up. My big takeaway as well, the theme is like pushing those end of organization guys down or even the Brady Singers of the world, moving the middle to the end, the end to the outside. You're improving on the fringes. You're improving the meat of the the, the team better. Um, I just like what they have done so far. So that's really my um, big thought. We did neglect, I guess you could say, the two biggest parts of the entire offseason, obviously, the first one being the draft lottery, um, hands down the biggest Royals development that's happened in the past uh, month or two. Fate got shafted. I'm going to kick it to Joel. The Royals well, the had second 18, year in a row. an 18% chance at the number one pick, and then the team with a 2% chance, the um, AL Central rival, Cleveland Guardians, get that. Joel... What do you think about the lottery? What do you think about the Royals getting shafted? I feel like I know the answer to the second. What uh, what did we? What baseball god did we piss off to allow this to happen for the second year in a row? Where the Royals pick eighth last year, they pick sixth this year. Now this is not a terrible draft. They're still going to be able to get someone decent at six, but it's like there were there are about three guys that are like can't miss type dudes, and of course the Royals are not going to be in that top can i put on a tinfoil hat for just a just a brief moment please oh yes please this, this like the way that the lottery 
ended with the top two picks feels very much like Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball messing with the ping pong balls to de-incentivize tanking and go, mm. you guys want to suck for a while? Okay, cool. Nope, we're going to give it to Cleveland. Nope, we're going to give it to Cincinnati, who at least game crap this year. Uh, it de- like I have no backing on that. It's just the vibe that I got. It's like, though the two teams at the top were actually pretty decent last year. Like they weren't great, but and the teams that were horrible are picking in the top three. Mm-hmm. Just an interesting thought. That's all. Mm. My the sour grapes that I had in my mouth at the time most definitely brought that to mind immediately. It was like these are two teams. They're gonna do good things with those picks, and then it can't. I mean, it's just a little weird that they were not clearly taking. And I don't know if the Royals were clearly taking as much as no. I think they were just bad. But yeah, that's the the implication when you are that bad for that long is that you're just yeah. 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 It. I mean, it is totally tenth what happened. It is legitimately the worst case scenario that they could have gotten there. Uh-huh. Getting a quote unquote lottery pick in that top six, they got the worst one of them. By having the second worst. I mean, this is broken. This is officially broken. I'm tired of it already. They need to at least tweak this stupid lottery. And and then just to turn around. And the lax luxury tax threshold doesn't matter either. That could get navigated. It doesn't matter either. So what are we doing here? The only thing that I've seen from this new CBA regarding small market teams and anti-tanking has only benefited the big markets. The, the, the irony of the luxury tax workaround that the Dodgers did with Otani is if the Royals signed Otani for that contract and did it. They would have updated the CBA so fast. You would say, you can't do that. Uh, speaking of Sauer, Josh, you you mentioned it. The Royals picked up Matt Sauer from the New York Yankees in the Rule 5 draft, the MLB portion. Um, he turns 25 in January. I am one day older than Matt Sauer. That's a, a fun fact. Um, also makes me feel ancient right now. Um 2023 at double A, 342 ERA in 68 innings. I think he had 14 games and 13 of them were starts. So um, the profiles out there most think he is a reliever and the stuff can play up with the fastball um, in a shorter span, which isn't uncommon. I think it's interesting, obviously, with the Rule 5 guys, they have to stay on the 26 man all year or else you offer it back to the other team, all that good stuff. Um, Josh, what do you think about Matt Sauer? Do you think he has a long relief role do you think what's his role in 2024 and then um, what do you think about the pick seemed like the pick was pretty well regarded it was not a guy on my t- on my radar but i wasn't looking at pictures that that closely like i probably should have been um but it did look like his you know i'd liked his k minus walk ratio can struggle to find the zone at times but still was getting enough whiffs to be interesting down there in double a Lives primarily off of like a finesse fastball on a slider. There's not an overpowering, not a very high uh, uh, V-low fastball, but does get whiffed somehow. Uh, and that was at the double-A level. So it's going to obviously need to play up on the big league level, but they can hide him in that bullpen that is getting revamped. It does. It is stacked with veterans now. Um, so they can protect him in low-leverage situations. If Jordan Lyles and, and all these other guys that are kind of uh, fringe rotational guys can stay out of that long relief role, and maybe that's an uh, option for Sauer, but at this point you can stash him in that middle relief role, let him try to uh, develop a third pitch and see where that takes him in the starting rotation t- uh, conversation, at least uh, in the future. Joel? No, I, I like the move. It, it feels like a very kind of high, for about as high floor as you can have in a Rule 5 type situation, 
little bit of an older guy, dealt with some injuries. That's kind of why he was unprotected. But the fastball metrics are very good. He has a great slider. Guys, uh, opponents hit a buck fifty off breaking ball last year. The fastball has 19 inches of induced vertical break, which means it holds its plane at the top of the zone. It's a higher spin pitch, which is good fastball shapes. We're starting to see that that shift a little bit. The Royals are taking more chances on good fastball shapes. That's a welcome sign uh, for pitching development moving forward. I think he's going to be solid in the bullpen. I bet they're they're probably just going to ease him in, try and stash him as much as they possibly can, and then work in a bigger role in the 2025. But I think this is a great situation for the Royals to get. They get a, a guy that is fairly well regarded. People like mm-hmm. the pick that don't cover the Royals. They thought this was a good guy for them to take. So I'm cool with it. I like it a lot. In the uh, minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft, the Royals lost TJ Sikama. He, hands down, I think is the most notable name out of that. Uh, Clay Dungan and Wander Arias. They picked up Joe Gray, a 23-year-old outfielder. Um, Keelan Kilgore, a 27-year-old lefty. And then Ryan Fitzgerald, a 29-year-old shortstop who kind of, and I'm not trying to to dunk on the player, but fits like the quad A profile, it seems a little bit, yeah. um, especially with the age. But Gray struggled a lot in double A this year. Kilgore, um, 5-2 ERA, like a 4-5 FIP in relief. He strikes out quite a few guys, but he has a, a walk issue as well. Um, then Fitzgerald, just again, kind of that quad A guy. So not a lot in the minor league portion. That's... Uh, Kind of all I got, Joel. You got anything? I don't have much on those guys. Usually in those, the minor league rule five, like those guys are left unprotected and able to be picked up for a reason. So it's good depth to have in a lot of these situations, and and maybe they're able to to find something with any of these guys. But don't have a ton of high ups. We're going to see any of these guys in the pros, but you know they're able to further their career. So credit to them. I like uh, the project that is Joe Gray. I think he does have some power and a solid speed, so a good athlete, but he still has a lot of swing and miss in his profile as well. A lot of, like, it looked like profile sort of like Carlos, or Juan Carlos Negret uh, down there, So, uh, but he can play center field instead, like Negret cannot, so uh, a little bit different there, but it, it was kind of showing that they lost Sykema and then and Dungan and they immediately filled those roles with Kilgore and Fitzgerald. Um, if those guys are potentially in AAA at that point, I think it's probably the plan. But uh, immediately filled up those you know organizational depth roles that they lost with Sikama and uh, uh, Dungan, which I wanted those guys to work out for sure, but uh, just not going to do it. But uh, interesting thing about Ryan Fitzgerald, signed out of Indy Ball in 2018, so that's kind of a cool story. It kind of makes you want to root for him, but... He was such a fan favorite in Boston's AAA team. He was known as the mayor of Worcester. Uh, so I kind of like the personality guy. If he is just a, a depth piece, that's fine. But it's at least the face of a Storm Chasers team that does have a pretty solid uh, history of production at the plate. So uh, it's at least something for Omaha to kind of, you know, potentially market. But uh, we'll see what it is as far as like big league impact goes. Speaking of big league impact and moving on up to the the bigger moves the Royals have made, we'll kind of put a bow on Michael Waka and Hunter Renfro. Um, the Waka signing was made official this week, official ink to paper, introduced, interviewed, all that good stuff. Two years, thirty two million player option for twenty five. It's rumored that there's like incentives for innings pitched, and really, I think that's good because listen. Michael Walker threw 134 innings last year. They were good, 134. He's been around 130 the past three years, worth five wins on fan graphs. 
my takeaway from that, he hasn't topped 150 innings in like six seasons. The, the Royals are going with a couple guys, and Seth Lugo too. They're lucky that they are building depth because you can't count on them to shove 180, 200. They're going to give you the the hundredth percentile outcome for those guys. Probably like 160 innings apiece, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because um, they're going to be quality, I think. But um, I, I guess I'll kick it to Josh first. Do you have any qualms with the value? Any thoughts on the innings? Any of that stuff with with Waka? Totally understand the the concern there with the innings. Obviously, if he's going to be a uh, free agent acquisition, you want them to be as safe as possible, which is a, what I kind of think Waka is. When you kind of look at the class and the tier that the Royals are going to be dabbling in, you got Giolito, you got Flaherty, you got Stroman who roll. You know they have plenty of concern in themselves, uh, largely with injury to a lot of those guys. So um, you're never going to have a safe profile in the free agent tiers that the Royals will be dabbling in. So Michael Walfa is just Walfa. Michael <laughs> Walka is about just about as safe of a candidate as I think you can get. I like how he brings something a little bit different than two. Sure. He lives primarily off a really good changeup, which not a lot of there's no starting pitchers in the Royals rotation that does that. So. If you're able to, you know, change up the look against teams in a series by throwing Waka out there as your one, two, three whole guy, then then that's a benefit too that hasn't really been uh, touched yet. I don't think on this point, but is there another guy in that rotation that could potentially try to learn a change up from him? Makes you wonder. Maybe a yeah. guy that yeah, I I don't know. Joel thoughts on on Michael Waffle Waka? I. <laughs> we're we're talking in this chat over here on the side. Michael His name Waffle. is not Michael Waffle. Um, uh, it is now on yeah. this podcast Joel, from now on. Joel, a reasonable thought on Michael Waka. The guys from Royals Weekly, uh, Marcus and Mike Mead, I think made a great point talking about the the signings, especially with Seth Lugo and Michael Waka. These guys are known commodities, so it's not like we're these guys are like bet, we're not betting on a ton of upside. There's not a ton of sure. ceiling there. But it raises the floor significantly of this rotation, which has been the problem for the last few years. Royals have been really wanting these homegrown young guys to, you know, to raise the ceiling for what they're, and it just hasn't worked out. So getting these established veterans in here with that we kind of know what they are, they know what they are at this point in their career, in their you know mid to uh, early thirties. I think it raises the floor significantly. So that's what I like the most about a Michael Walker. I understand the injury concern, but if he gives you 145 innings with a three and a half ERA, I think you love that. And that's going to be a spot where maybe it gets a little tricky with that player option, but the Royals play well enough. Maybe he wants to stick around and try and make the playoffs in 25. If we, if they start to feel like there's some momentum there. Yeah. And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves with either Renfro or what Waka had to say, because we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about that later. Um, but Renfro Two for 13. It's five and a half million this year. Player option again. That was a big theme with the Royals giving out those player options like candy. Kind of the cost of doing business. Kind of giving the the player obviously just an option literally to come back next year and test the free agent market. Um, 2023 Hunter Renfro. And again, we'll talk about this later on as well. Different player than 2021 and 2022 Hunter Renfro. Defensively, even a little bit different. Offensively quite a bit different. Um, accumulated four and a half F4 the first two seasons, barely, I think it was like 0.6 last year. So the value itself, 
they're banking on the bigger sample size, which I think is smart. He hasn't hit the age where he's hitting a wall, stick him in the corner outfield, give you 25 home runs, even at Kauffman Stadium. Maybe that's a little bit closer to 20. This one is pretty far and wide, just described as fine. And you can make fine signings. And when you have a need and you sign a fine player to a fine deal, that's okay. That's really all I have. Do either one of you guys love or hate that move? I think it's fine. Uh, I don't have to. <laughs> like, it, like it works. Like it's the Royals wanted to get a more established dude in a corner outfield spot. And Hunter Renfro was available and they signed him to a, a deal that is not, uh, not you know, team or payroll crippling if he is mm -hmm. uh, net negative or just like an average player. Like it's fine. Um, but maybe there's a chance for a bounce back in a my maybe in a low key situation in Kansas City and he's able to recoup some value and, and have a good year. We don't know, but uh if he's closer to what he was in 21-22 then the Royals got a steal at 13 million bucks. They could also yeah, them, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that was that was kind of where I was going to go with that like they wanted something they knew they needed a corner outfield right-handed power bat and when you look at the market, you could look at Lars Gurriel. You could look at, I mean, Tommy Pham to a certain extent. Gurriel just got, what, three years, $42 million. So he is making in one season this year more than what you're paying Renfro for two years. So if this is the market for what you were, you knew you needed and you can actually take, or take a shot on a guy that could rebound into potentially something, you know, two, three, war player, uh, then I say giddy up. And if it's a potential, uh, you can flip him. If he does turn into something, then even better. So I, I'm it, from the peripherals, you might look at his numbers last year and be like, I'm not really that impressed with this. But if you kind of look at the market, understand why they were going after this guy, and then also see that there's some upside to it, I think you can really start to look into it as, uh, as a positive. Absolutely. We're going to look into more stuff on One Royal Way right after this break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back in One World Away podcast. Jordan Foote here, Josh Kaiser, Joel Penfield. The guys hanging out, talking some ball. We have a lot to cover left um, in this show, guys, so... We, we have been doing good on time, but we're going to have to be efficient. Granted, some of these moves are kind of self-explanatory or don't have too much. Like Dylan Coleman to Houston for Carlos Mateo. Carlos Mateo, I would call either one of you guys out if you said you were an expert on Carlos Mateo because no one knows anything about him. He's a lottery ticket for a player that, um, Joel, was he working at Tread this offseason? Coleman was. I don't know about Mateo. Yeah. So yeah. people, yeah, 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 Coleman. <laughs> I'd be surprised. Coleman, I like Mateo yeah. was yeah, there. Coleman. There, there was a lot of guys from the Royals or now former Royals, I guess, that sure. are working yeah. at Tread. So, yeah, um, the I guess this is basically the Royals going. Yeah, it's just not going to work, or it's a situation where they're just like maybe it's just a a change of scenery that he needed after a really really rough twenty twenty three. So I agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's kind of a bummer to see Dylan Coleman go. Seemed like a good dude, too. So uh, it is definitely a bummer to see him. But I look forward to Carlos Mateo's majesty uh, on his uh, majestic ride to the top. And something the Royals are, are getting better at with J.J. Piccolo at the helm, really the next three or four, maybe even five guys that we're going to talk about real quick, um, knowing when it's time to get rid of the player and move on, knowing when, okay, we're not going to hold on to hope and say, well, what if Ryan O'Hearn figures this out? Or, oh, what if a Taylor Clark or Dylan Coleman figures it out? Sometimes it just does take a change of scenery and a new set of circumstances. And the Royals are getting lottery tickets back, even for some guys that you may not think are netting anything on the market. And maybe a John Heasley, something like that. If the Royals can get anything out of these players, they're getting it more than what they were getting from the player itself. So I think that is intelligent. Um, Taylor Clark to the Milwaukee Brewers for Cam Devaney. Um, Clark, it just didn't really work. And he started off last year kind of hot, then fizzled out. The fifth versus ERA was always a little bit weird, so people were clean to hope that he would figure it out. The return, kind of, uh, someone comped it to like a Devin Mann type player. And Devaney. Yeah. Experience all around the infield besides catcher. He's played shortstop. He's played first base. He's played third base. He can capably handle all that. Um, fifth or not, I was looking ahead here. 107 weighted runs created plus, about a 12% walk rate. The strikeouts aren't out of control. You're getting positional versatility. You're getting a, an okay prospect hitting wise, kind of a, I guess you could throw Nick Lofton cop in there. Um, I don't think this is really a crazy return in terms of what he can do. You're getting another guy that if you need someone to spell, let's say Michael Garcia 
or Bobby Wynn Jr. or something like that, God forbid someone gets hurt, then I think this uh, trade would kind of reap some value. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, the I don't understand the Devin Mann comps too much. He's got a little bit of pop, but I think that's yeah. Mann was a lot of like approach and then a little bit of pop with position versatility because he just doesn't play anything super well. So, yeah. and it's kind of what it seems like with Devaney, especially. Um, I like his size, potentially maybe a little bit more for third base, but he didn't spend a lot of time there. So, if he profiles more as a an approach first over with a little bit of pop at the plate, third baseman, then I'm a little bit intrigued. I don't think he's going to be sticking up the middle a little bit, but I don't know him that well, so it's just purely a uh, uh, mile-high look at it. But Ryan Brady is also interesting. He makes his A up a sweeper-slider combo. Yeah. No matter where he's pitching out of, is going to be providing a different look. So I, I don't know. His, his, his numbers aren't great either, but he's at least going to give you a little bit of a change-up in that bullpen, wherever that bullpen is. Joel? Yeah, the positional versatility of any uh provides i think is fine it's good or depth i'm a little bit higher on ryan brady 72 strikeouts and 77 innings only 19 walks uh had a sub 270 ra between high a and double he's a little older at 24 but he's a byu guy so it's not like it's a uh, so he was a little older because like the mormon mission and all that kind of stuff that he had to go do before college so it's not like this is a truly like older prospect in terms of why he's in double a at 24 Something kind of interesting there. I think he has got way. I think there's more upside there than there is with Devaney. But uh, you got something for Taylor Clark. I kind of look at this similar to the Royals and what they did with Jose Quas. That like you got something for him. Cool. And then we move on. A guy. Too. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> a guy. The Royals. I don't want to say we knew it was going to happen. Like we weren't tipped off or anything. It was the lowest hanging fruit. It was a bingo free space. It's nothing against the player. Edward Olivares got traded, um, and the Royals were going to part ways with him one way or another. He was always the odd man out. Like, it just wasn't working. Um, Davies Nadal is coming back over a 21-year-old shortstop in a ball. 15% walk rate, 33% K rate. So, again, you're like, okay, there, there's something there. 212 batting average. The OBP was like 34%. It was a, a crazy um, disparity for the player with Renfro. Even without Renfro in the fold, still logjam there. You're making a one-for-one swap potential upgrade. We will talk about that later. Um, Joel, do you have any final thoughts on the the era there, the return? This felt like the obvious move for the Royals. There was a logjam in the outfield. The second they signed Renfro, I think we all like, okay, where's Olivares? Like, is it going to be a, you know, thank you for your services, DFA, or are they going to make a move? They made a move within a couple of hours after yeah. the after the Hunter Renfro deal was announced. So felt like the obvious move. He's going to go and get pretty close to everyday at-bats probably in Pittsburgh, and I wouldn't be shocked if he has a decent year, but it just felt like the obvious move. There are just better options there now than Edward Olivares. Uh, I look forward to seeing him blossom into the the exactly. great player that he is in Pittsburgh. I am excited to see Davis of it all. Just take pitches. Just take them. Just take, 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 take. That approach is locked in with that uh, that K and walk ratio. Yeah. I, I, that was the first thing I noticed, and I put it out on Twitter. And shout out to my brother Brian, but he was like, "Is the swing percent like two? <laughs> and that made me laugh. Was it a uh, was it Duval that that nicknamed Lofton or not Lofton? Uh, Prado Nick. I ain't swinging at that shit. 
I yeah. don't. <laughs> it's no. like I'm just gonna take, take, take. Um, moving further along the Edward Olivares Memorial Highway, that everyone knows which one I'm talking about. Uh, John Heasley, the guy that has spent some time over the past year or so on that highway, um, sent to Baltimore for Caesar Espinal. It just didn't work for Heasley again. And I hate to say that with all these guys, but literally that's just what it is with some of them. It just wasn't working out. Um, the the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. And when Heasley first came up, there was talks about, okay, he's going to give up some home runs, but he can live with that. He doesn't have any premier plus stuff, but everything is well-rounded. He can be an okay starter. He can give you some length. He can limit walks. And it just never clicked totally. Um, the pokes do stay hot, Joel, so I think that there are high hopes for him. But um, how will you remember the Johnny Easley era in Kansas City? You know, it stinks that it didn't work out. Uh, I know there was some injury stuff with him as well. Just felt like they never just couldn't quite figure out the pitch mix and the the way to kind of maximize his stuff here. I think Baltimore might be able to do that. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how he gets utilized there or if he's just kind of a quad A guy. Uh, that bounces back and forth. That might be the way he, his career goes, but in the right situation, I still think there's a good, you know, a, a decent, viable big league pitcher in there. Uh, it just wasn't going to work out in Kansas City. This is another move I think we've seen with four, all four of these moves and some other ones we're going to talk about here shortly. This is JJ kind of trimming the fat and going, hey, this isn't a tenable situation here for any of these guys. We need to get more known commodities in here that can help us win ball games right now. Clearly, the evaluation process last year kind of is, is coming to fruition with, with these moves that are being made, both the free agent moves that the guys they brought in and who's getting shipped out as the corresponding. And the big need was always starting pitching. And sure. the fat was going to be trimmed in the bullpen. That was always going to be the case. So these guys finding themselves on the fringe, landing in different spots, Hopefully, getting another shot to you know put it all together. Heasley's definitely a guy you root for 100%. Going to tread as well. Um, and you know, he had metrics to do something with Baltimore can absolutely do something with those metrics. So, uh, it'd be cool to see him uh, get it figured out. I'm excited to see this Caesar Espinal again, a rookie ball guy. Not, not much known about him. It has got good size at 6'2, 165, but uh, it's all pretty much all I got on that. <laughs> his ascension as well exactly uh, a couple of guys the royals were unable to get anything for but just they had a lot of roster math they needed to calculate and make corresponding moves um for their new additions max castillo was he part of the whit merrifield trade am i yeah on that right? him and taylor okay. he's gonna clear waivers and be back i'd be shocked That's if he gets picked up I think so as well. Um, five four three ERA in just under sixty innings with the Royals organization, or sorry, the the big league team so far. Um, Colin Snyder did get picked up though by the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I believe it was Preston Farr. Does that sound right? That that thought there's reasons these guys get picked up, and Snyder did kind of flash a little bit. I think he's Snyder- been like a metrics darling. Yes. It's wild. It's yes, just, the stuff and the results don't match up with him at yes. all. And I don't know if that is just the way he's always going to be or if someone's be able to tap into it. So I'll be fascinated to see how he gets used in Arizona if they're able to I was exactly going to exactly the same thought, Josh. Yep, I'm right there with you. I was just kind of looking up to see exactly what went wrong. It looked like he did lose command of the strike zone, but also, I mean, he wasn't strike guys out when he was getting MLB innings. So, I mean, what was his super low? It was like 11.6% K rate. At the MLB level, 
13.4% K rate at the MLB level with an 11.4% walk rate and gun deal. It doesn't, not just, <laughs> I mean, you can have all the metrics you want, but if you can't find the strike zone or make people miss, then it's going to be a problem. So hopefully, you know, hopefully Arizona, again, Colin Snyder, good dude, also at Tread. Um, and I was kind of looking forward to seeing what he could possibly be, but uh, we'll see what he does in Arizona and go from there. Joel? So one thing, so I, I just looked this up as we were talking because there was a lot of these moves were guys that were in the bullpen last year, obviously mm-hmm. with Castillo, Heasley, Coleman, Clark, all Max Castillo, Carl Snyder, all gone now. Here is what uh, Fangraphs has as the projected bullpen right now. Obviously, there's going to be some more moves that that take place, and this isn't going to be the you know what's trotted out on opening day, but just interesting to look at compared to last year. Here is the projected bullpen: James MacArthur, Will Smith. John McMillan, Nick Anderson, Chris Stratton, Carlos Hernandez, Stephen Cruz, Matt Sauer. And then you have in AAA or at least, you know, other guys right now, Daniel Lynch, John Bolin, Anthony Veneziano, Alec Marsh, Onil Zerpa, Chamblin Champlain. That is a hell of a lot more viable than what we were working with last season. And again, it's kind of like this is, they did a great job of raising the floor of the bullpen. There are guys with some ceiling like MacArthur, McMillan, uh, I still think there's some, there's still something Carlos Hernandez can tap into, mm-hmm. but this is the I will not feel near as sketched out when the Royals have to go to the bullpen in a seven-one game in the seventh inning that we're not going to need to be sweating this game out. At least that's how I feel right now. So massive credit for essentially like an overhaul. Like there are there is very few guys from last season that are in this bullpen, so it says a lot about how they were able to or how they viewed some of those guys and what they were able to do for them. Still room to bring uh, our oldest Chapman back. True that. I wouldn't hate it. I really wouldn't. And if they flip him again and get another Cole Reagans, sure. no. <laughs> Run it well, back. And that's the thing with these player options and the guys they're bringing in. They're, I guess you could say marquee names. Like Will Smith, people know. People who know ball and follow ball know who Chris Stratton and Will Smith are. It's weird to see the Royals like associated with that level of player, even though they're not some dominant reliever or whatever. Teams are going to be snooping around at the deadline. If the Royals are quote unquote out of it, or even like not seriously wanting to make a playoff push, or like if you injected front office member X with truth serum and said, Hey, were you at least kind of considering moving these guys at the deadline? Like he's just thinking and trade, you know, a couple million bucks in exchange for a prospect at the deadline. They'd probably be like, yeah, a little bit. So, it's good process. If you have the money, spend the money, <laughs> which they're finally doing. And then some, um, it works. I think if you had to call your shot right now, say it's opening day, the Royals are up four to two top nine. Who's coming out of the Will Smith the game? Will Smith. Will Smith. You think it's, Gosh. do we think it's that simple right now? I don't think it's that simple. I think it's going to be a hundred percent matchup based. Like Q was saying. Mm. I think they start off with Will Smith. I don't know. If I they, might. I might pull my shot on James MacArthur. Yeah, we could see that. He looked comfy in that role at the end of the year. Sure did. So, yep. and for a guy with very little service time, I think there there's something. It's just it's going to be interesting to see how they how they manage it. But something about a guy that has nothing to lose that makes him so dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. They have. Let's see here. They have. One, two, three, four, five. They have like five guys with closing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's just it's insurance policies and like that's weird to say for a team that isn't going to be good now they can be competitive we're going to do some math with that here in a while um but they have insurance policies in case things do go wrong like last year or maybe it was the year before um taylor clark got hurt and people are like oh my god taylor clark like that's actually a notable loss for the Royals bullpen what are they going to do like this year if you know Sauer gets hurt or whatever, not to just pick on him. People are going to be like, okay, well, next man up, whatever. They have not just insurance at the big league level. They can bring up player X and have them hopefully produce comparable value from their uh, standpoint. So speaking of insurance policies, and I don't know why I keep setting myself up with these uh, like that. I know just speaking of, it's the go-to. I watch too much Kent Swanson on the uh, case. <laughs> Kim Swanson School of Transitioning. Yes, exactly. Uh, Chris Bubich avoided arbitration for 2024. It was $2.35 million. The MLB trade rumors estimate was two point four. So pretty much on track with that. He is tracking to be back uh, by midseason. JJ Piccolo said no. The difference in being back and ramping up versus like you're on the mound, no restrictions, all that stuff is a little bit iffy. But that'd be what? 12 months mid-season 13 months like it was pretty early in the year that it was like early in may i think when yeah. he got clipped so so that sounds it'd be like 13 right. 14 months yeah wouldn't be bad it no, no. Good sense. i'm just curious what he has left after that if or, or if he was able to tweak yeah. a couple of things uh you know once he gets back on a mound and figures something out Looked like he, it looked like he had figured something out last season mm-hmm. um so hopefully if, if he's able to reclaim much of that uh, then, you know, it's another option. We'll be curious well, to see how he gets used. Too. Like, they're not, it, they went out and got a couple guys where they don't have to yes, sell. Yes, so they're not to Please be healthy. Like, please, please give us this. They don't Yes, have that we were not having to rely on Chris, uh, uh, post-TJ Chris Bubis to <laughs> yes. help, help you out immediately after. Yeah. Which I think that is, that is the largest impact of these pitching acquisitions that they made. Uh, you know, except especially in the in the rotation, being able to push guys like Lynch, Bubich, uh, Marsh, Veneziano, let them go down to a or to Triple A, see what they can learn down there, try to fix as much as you can and polish as much as you can. So if and when they are needed, they are ready to go and hit the ground running, as opposed to being pressured to be able to carry weight and need them to have five or six quality innings every time they go out there. That's not necessarily the case with guys that are known commodities like Waffle and uh, Lugo and, you know, Riggins at this point. So uh, that's that's potentially the biggest change and impact that I saw from these free agent acquisitions and why I love them so much. The Royals did spend some money and their players are getting awarded a little bit more. Bobby Witt Jr., Michael Garcia, Cole Reagans, based on the um, war formula to determine compensation for pre-arb players. They earned like a combined 1.5 million. It isn't a big deal. Money's added on top of their base salaries for 24. Keeps them happy. Gives them a little bit of a reward. Um, nothing really to expand on that. I don't think I just wanted to to bring it up. Oh, Josh, you you actually do have something to expand on it. Okay. You mean to tell me? That a rule in the CBA is once again going to go against their Kansas City Royals. That is yeah. shocking. That is shocking. Not that they don't deserve. Obviously, they deserve that money. I just wanted to, you know, add another dagger into this <laughs> horseshit system that we're yes. currently under. 
And you know, one point five million all of a sudden for the Royals is chunk change. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, what you know, the, we get that out in the morning, like whatever, it's no big deal. Um, <laughs> I almost said, so. oh, you did it. You're gonna now. I've got to break that habit, man. Uh, Speaking of, and there was no transition for that whatsoever. <laughs> um, the stadium thing is continuously. We're gonna we're gonna start a couple games here. I guess games might not be the word, but. Um, fun stuff that were ideas. Actually, both of these, I think, were Josh's. So shout out to him. Is it enough? And that's going to be the question. Is it enough to do X, Y, Z? Is what the Royals have done slash will be doing over the next couple months? Um, this one kind of time specific, I suppose, enough to get people to vote yes and support the uh, stadium happenings that are going on. Joel, what do you think? It might be. I think it, none of these moves are like, you know, holy crap, they're making all of these, you know, crazy moves like the 2012 Marlins or the 2016 Padres. Like, it's nothing groundbreaking. No pun intended, I guess. <laughs> but I think it's enough to where it's like, hey, there's some there's some give a shit here. Like, they're, they're trying to make this roster better to win. They're not just, like, bottoming out to to do whatever kind of like what Oakland slash Vegas has been doing the last few years like it's not like to that level I think there there is some legitimate care here of like we can't keep messing around we cannot keep you know trying to live within the margins and and do it all from within well they got to go out and spend money and they did and I think they deserve some credit for that 100% I think it definitely helps I agree it's not the knockout punch that there is going to need to be able to pull all that fan support together. They spent $47 million going into this year's roster. Was it 107 total? Is that what it was? I think it's 105. 105 okay. total payroll over the life of the contract. Sure, that is not. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's, that's fifth in baseball. Obviously, number one is insane compared to the other four, but it's number five in all of baseball and com- total committed payroll in the offseason. And you know what? At least for us, the fans that are usually plugged in online, there's buzz around this team. And it's not just local. We're going to talk about it in just a second. It's national, too, now. Uh, they're one of the most active pe- teams in the winter at this point. Uh, to this point, they're like lapping the field as far as transactions go. So it's cool to see them getting the buzz. So at this point, it makes sense that they're, you know, getting plenty of notoriety that they could potentially need but the knockout punch you really want to get that yes vote that Bobby Witt Jr. extension could be absolutely the the one that does it that's the one that's how you get yes so if you're able to extend Bobby Witt Jr. that's going to be the big one that's going to be the this offseason is going to get you a yes on that ballot is pretty much among the fans entirely I think it's going to be another thing to convince the regular voters that don't you know follow baseball at that point but it's definitely a start. They could do better, and they can afford to. They only, I think, it's only like a hundred to hundred and ten million dollars over the next three seasons, and then seventy million dollars after that. There's going to be plenty of needs, but you can afford that Bobby Wood Junior. extension at least in the short term, and probably in the long term too. There have been talks about a three eighths of a percent sales tax being instituted. Jackson County talking about um, doing that. The deadline for getting the proposal on the ballot in the spring is January 23rd. There was not a resolution at um, the meeting this week, reportedly. So still more things there, plenty of more speculation to come. And this particular thing, 
we're going to be speculating about it for months and months until spring training, until the beginning of the season, really probably the first month of the season, maybe even the first couple. Is this enough for the Royals to win the American League Central in 2024? I did some math and my answer is no. I'm just going to be honest straight up there. I'm just going to cut to the chase. The Pythagorean win record or win total was 64 last season. They won 56. I think they were like a 60-win team, and you can say you are where your record says you are, whatever you want to do. The average lineup, they were about eight wins below. The average rotation, they were like four or five wins below. This is fan graphs data. The bullpen was like almost just zero. <laughs> it was just there. It was bad. Um, if they add, let's say, three wins to the lineup from guys getting better, they add one from Renfro, they add one with less dead weight. In the rotation, you get a couple from Lugo. He was worth almost three. You get a couple from Waka. He was worth like 2.5. You get another one from Cole Reagans. You get another one from Growth. Like They're somewhat conservative estimates, but I found about 14 more wins. And it's not absolute best case scenario. It was like, if this goes as I expect it to, not considering negative contributors, which Again, they're going to have some, whether people want them to or not, about 14 wins. So if you thought the Royals were indeed a 56-win team, my estimate in my brain got them to 70. If you thought they were a 60-win team, that got them to 74. If you thought they were a 64-win team, it got them to 78. If you thought maybe they're a little bit better, you're pushing 500. All of that is to say, I think the answer, and I'm not trying to crap on the Royals, they've done well this offseason. It's just too much ground to make up. So my answer, <clears throat> it's no. We'll go to Joel first. Do you think that this is enough for the Royals to win the AL Central? No, I don't think it's enough to win the division, but I think it's enough to be competitive and frisky, which I think is all we want right now. That's kind of the next step, right? It's also the AL Central. Like, we would not be having this conversation if we were the AL West or in the AL East. This division is not good. The White Sox are going to be an abomination. They are going it to be is. bad. I do not think the Tigers are going to be able to take a major step forward. I think they'll be fine, but I don't think they're going to be that great. I don't know what Cleveland's going to be. They might trade Bieber and completely start over, but they trade and they, they draft and develop so well that it might not matter and they're still going to be okay. The difference is, though, I guess without Tito, Francona, how much does that change the math for Cleveland? And Minnesota is probably, it's probably their division. But then again, we've seen the way that they've been up and down the last few years. I don't know. Um, this the, the winner of this division might win 87 games. Like, it's not going to be anything crazy. And you get hot at the right time, you might be able to be in contention. I don't think it's enough this year. We've got, we might be having a very different conversation in 2025, though. Yeah. What did Minnesota win it last year? That was 87. It was 87. 87. Yep. Yeah. Like it's, right there. it's not going to, it, it might not take much to win this division. You get hot at mm. the right time and things might, the, the math might change a little bit. Mm. I'm not trying to be, look, look through this through Royals blue colored glasses, but the <laughs> vision sucks. So who knows? Yeah. I, I'm completely agree with you. I'm applauding for what they're doing. They're doing the exact right thing. I like the moves that they've made. But I think there's still plenty of ground to cover. And I think a lot of that's got to come internally. They got to have a lot of big steps forward from the guys within. And that's always been the plan. That, that, the spinning that has happened does not change that. So that pressure is still there, but at least they have some veterans around them to help them polish those sides, 
get a little bit more on progress and uh, development of the guys that, uh, you know, they're supposed to be in order to take that step forward. I put this second question in here. It kind of ties together with the first one. So I'm just going to assume that the answer is yes to that. Um, the second was, is it enough to entice the front office to spend more in future off seasons? If things go as planned, that answer is obviously yes. Now the first one, is it enough to convince outside free agents? And then Josh made a good point slash internal extension candidates to come to or want to stay in Kansas City. Josh, since you added that second part, what do you think? I mean, I absolutely. Walker mentioned in his press conference that, you know, the the moves that they've made along with the core that they have, that was a very enticing thing as well as getting, you know, the money obviously is is what he's wanting as well. So he wanted the opportunity to see what the Royals can do with this year and his talents. And that makes a difference. And that's going to be the way it is for every free agent that's potentially here. So JJ is going to get on the phone with them, let them know what they have. And uh, that's basically what they've been. And, and we we talked about on Tuesday, but seeing Bobby Wood Jr. and Benny Pascotino do the brick by brick emoji when the Lugo signings were, you know, announced, that's when things started coming up. Like that's going to be resounding to those guys. They're going to want to stay for those moves. They're going to see the commitment from the front office and see the coaches trying to, you know, do their best to get these guys on track. I think all in all, that's definitely going to help the case. But at the end of the day, it's going to be about dollars and cents. So um, it's not going to hurt, but uh, it's not going to be the end all be all either. Joel? It'll be interesting to see the win improvement. Yeah. Is they're going to go, they, have, they won 56 games last year. If with this kind of like, Dipping into the mid-tier free agent pool, they get to 72. That's what a 16-win improvement. I wonder if the players and the front office go with that. Like, going into the mid-tier and you win 16 more games, what if we bump it up a little? Like, go into the like the top of the mid-tier or the bottom of like the top tier and go and keep spending a little bit more. Maybe we improve and we go from 72 to 82 or 84 and we're we're in contention for a wild card spot at the end of the year. Like I think it can happen that fast. Now they win 67. That's still an 11 win improvement, which is Somehow. substantial compared to where they were last year. <laughs> they might just kind of stick where they're at. So I think it depends on how significantly these guys uh aid in the winning from this, yeah. this there's it's going to be pretty telling of how they do it. And I think there's only two, really two ways that the front office is really going to commit to spending in the future. One is you're trying to mention kind of the results that come from it. If they think that timing is right. And a lot of, I mean, this off season was the perfect time to spend. They knew exactly what they needed. They had payroll flexibility. They had the advantage of knowing their TV deals, which is a big deal apparently. And they need public support for that new stadium. So it was a perfect time to buy. They saw the opportunity and they seized it, which was incredibly encouraging and the other way is if they have a new stadium they want to build the entertainment year-round revenue generating thing around this ballpark like the Braves did like the Cardinals did like the Rangers did all those teams have 150 million dollar plus payrolls every year so there is an actual recipe to this spending and I think that they have a good you know plan to put that money back into the team and that's what makes me more encouraged if we don't get that new stadium you know, go and I'm very curious to see what happens to their spending after that. 100%.
Um, is it enough for everyone to learn that Matt Quattrero is indeed the man for the job? I, I think the jury is still out from like a baseball wide perspective, like outsider. It's like, okay, who knows about this guy? But that's kind of, I've always had the philosophy with MLB managers. The bad ones can really screw things up. The good ones just kind of not stay out of the way, but you don't notice them quite as much. And you really, they buy you a couple wins. They make some good tactical decisions, but like, the impact, it's not like an NBA coach drawing up plays or an NFL coach that can single-handedly just absolutely screw you over multiple times in a season. You can technically do that with 162 games. Like You can say, okay, Q messed up X, Y, and Z games and, and made this bad decision, whatever, whatever. It's really about the players out there and the culture and the communication and the collaboration. All of that from previous members that were in that post have been different and it seems like the players like him. So that was just a question I thought of. I think that um, the answer simultaneously, yes. And like, even if it isn't, this isn't going to be the reason why anyone finds out he isn't the man for the job, if that makes sense. I agree. I, I'm with you there. I think he gets a full pass for the 2023 season. This is kind of the first year where I think he's really going to be evaluated because he's he's going to have more input on who they picked up, what he could do with them, and kind of go from there. So I think this is kind of literally the first time you're going to see that. Um, still going to need two to three years on top of that, in my opinion, to be able to get a good read on if Q is right for the job. But for now, I think he gets a pass for last year. I'm curious to see what happens if this kind of blows up in our faces, what happens with J.J. Piccolo at that point. Because yeah, that's going to look really wild. Where this is going to be different, and that's really then going to then affect Q at that point. Yeah, yeah, it it kind of goes back to what I said previously. Like it depends on how the win improvement. Um, we I think we have to see noticeable improvement in pretty much every capacity, and that goes to him as well in some of the decision making on his part when it comes to roster construction, lineup construction, and bullpen decisions. And if we see noticeable improvement there, then hey, maybe we'll maybe he really is the right guy. And last year was just a perfect storm of shit, to be honest. Like <laughs> that's that's really what it turned into. Yeah. If, if like I said, the Royals go out and they win seventy two games this year, and they go from fifty six to seventy two, and we look like we're trending in the right direction, then hey, let's roll it back with Macatrero in twenty twenty five and go from there. We're going to debut something here. I'm not promising it's going to stick around or how often it's going to be. I personally have extremely high hopes for it. My dear pal Josh Kaiser proposed it for this very podcast. Um, we are going to start Pump the Brakes. and Oh, put a little not, feeling into it. Pump. Pump, pump the Brakes. Not, we're not intending to roast people. We're not calling anyone dumb. We're not saying it's a terrible take. Like We're not bashing anyone anyone specific, any, you know, group. We're just saying I caught this take on this website or this program or this radio station, whatever that little interesting. I'm like, okay, let's, let's put it on the radar, but let's, uh, let's pump the brakes a little bit. The car is several hundred feet ahead of us, but we're going 65, 70 in a 40. Let, let's pump the brakes, slow down a little bit, um, and then get a better view of what we have. And the one that I, had we'll just blow through mine real quick. Uh, Anthony Wrecker on MLP Network. We've already kind of talked about this. His quote: "If I had to pick an AL Central winner, the Royals would be right there. I think they would be the team I'd go with." Now, Anthony, I like your enthusiasm, but uh, Josh, would you like to do the honors? Pump those 
breaks. Let, let's calm the, the heck down. Like, Minnesota is still going to be respectable. They did lose some pitching. They are perhaps shedding payroll, but I think they're still going to be perhaps the favorites, and that rightfully so. I'm a little bit higher on Detroit this year. Like, I think they could make a leap and compete for the division potentially. I don't know if they're going to actually do it. Um, I think they are right now where the Royals are going to be at the end of this season, if that makes sense. Maybe they're a little bit better um, in terms of their outlook. Cleveland, shrug. Like, they're going to be not terrible, but also not great. They didn't have a good year last year. Chicago is just a dumpster fire. So if you're ranking the top five teams out of five in the AL Central, the Royals aren't one. I don't think they're two. I don't think they're five. So then you're at three, four, and that's kind of where people thought they'd be coming into last year. Let's pump the brakes on it. I don't think they're going to win the AL Central. Now, when he says the Royals would be quote unquote right there, if right there is like within 10 games, then maybe we're, we're talking, but um, I would, I'd pump those brakes. Which one of you wants to go uh, bring yours up? So I guess I'll go with this one here. Um, people talking about the, the Seth Lugo signing and not liking it. Um, pump those brakes. Okay. Yeah, there it is. But we need more than that, Joel. You have I, bad energy. I don't know. Actually, that yeah. was dead energy. That was about <laughs> as much energy as I could possibly give. Josh Josh knows. And any other person with a, a one-week-old child knows. Yeah. Uh, I like the move. And I talk, it's similar to what I talked about with Michael Walker earlier, raises the floor of this rotation. And I understand the people that are skeptical because he's 34 years old. The Royals gave him a three year deal. If he had, if he had been a starter for the entirety of his career to this point, sure. Like I'm totally willing to listen to the argument of it being a concern, but he was a reliever for the significant part of his career. And really last year was the first year he had started a bunch of games for for any team. He started 18 games in 2017 for the Mets. But other than that, for the most part, it was out of the bullpen. And then last year started 26 games through 146 in the third innings for the Padres. Total innings for his career to this point is 641, and he's been in the league for eight years. Like, there is still a ton of tread on those tires relative to his age. So I don't think it's as big of a concern for me. He added he has a full year. If the if the Royals plan was we were going to make this reliever at 34 years old a starter now, if he didn't start last year, I understand those concerns. But I thought he was a, a solid starter for the Padres last year. He's going to a ballpark that's going to continue to benefit him being a pitcher's park. I think it's going to end up working out just fine for the Royals in that regard. So I think this is a, a good move for them. Uh, moving forward. And they're not coming in asking him to be their ace. I think he's probably their two or their three. And if that's what they're going to get out of him, then I think it's perfectly fine for $15 million a year. Uh, that's pretty cheap with for a, a solid starting pitch. I agree. Agreed. Uh, speaking of Jordan, shout out. Speaking of Let's go. Good deal, cheap deal. I saw plenty of takes around the internet saying that Hunter Renfro was a definitive upgrade over Edward Olivares. Uh, one, uh, I'll bump those breaks, guys. Uh, two, Renfro is not a definitive, in my opinion, upgrade over Olivares. I think their projections, both in the, the Fangraphs depth chart 
projections as well as the steamer both have Renfro at a 0.8, 0.7 projection in F4. Oliveris is 0.5, 0.4. That difference is negligible. And you can you can maybe convince me that Renfro has a higher ceiling than Olivares because of the power, because of what he's able to do. I can absolutely get on board with that. But a definitive upgrade when he's coming off a worse season and more plate appearances than Edward Olivares and also costs $11 million more over the next two seasons than Edward Olivares would have cost, then I don't think that's a definitive thing. I think that he can be. The ceiling's there. But I, I just don't, I'm not buying that it's a definitive upgrade yet. Go show me that you are that, Mr. Renfro, and uh, and then I'll eat this tweet, or I don't know what the the audio equivalent of that is, but uh, I will eat the crow on that, and uh, we'll just see how it plays out. But to be able to, yeah, you got to pump those brakes, baby. I disagree. I think he is going to be an upgrade. Okay. Like it. Just give me some contention. Let's go. I this is I don't have much stats to back it up at this point. I just watched enough Edward Olivares where I'm like, I've got to write it right. <laughs> it's more about the guy that left than the guy that came in. Okay. 100%. We, and I, and I'm not trying to slander. Like, Oli, Oli had his moments, but yeah. it's just, I. So, do you think that he is that definitively better in the field? No. The arm, people, people, the arm can sure. arm with total defensive. Benefit. No, like, no, I'm not saying, say, it's a, yeah, like, I still think he's passable. Like, and that's something that Edward Olivares was never in the field. It's not. Yeah. That's not in, in if the he can absolute... be a passable fielder and hit for a 110 to 115 way to run straight up plus, I think we're going to be just fine. Okay. That Edward Olivares will not be that. True. I respect that. And in, in the least surprising development of 2023 is a lines down. Um, I'm sitting on the fence with this one. I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be a little bit better than he was last year, and that technically is an upgrade over Edward Olivares, but he is not going to be 2021 or 200 Renfro. So somewhere meet in the middle. Um, that's, that's my thought. Any final observations before we get out of here? Uh, I have one quick one. Uh, over under wins. Royals are 72. Christ. Minnesota's at 85. Mm-hmm. Detroit 79. Cleveland 74, 75, Chicago at 64, which is hilarious. But if you do, if you are on this train that the Royals could compete and win that central, you can get them at plus 1,700 odds right now. So if you really want to go after that goal, put it put it down because that value is only going to get uh, going to get worse whenever they go, I don't know, trade from you know, Aaron Judge. We will be back. Whenever that happens. So we uh, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I thank my dear pals for jumping on with me. And we will uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.